Welcome to the Bridgeway Church Podcast. My name is David Bowden, and every week I sit down with one or several members of our church staff and host a conversation about how Bridgeway is seeking to fulfill its mission as the Church of Jesus Christ here in our city. If you are a member of Bridgeway, we hope this helps you more deeply engage with what God is doing in our midst. And if you aren't a part of Bridgeway, we hope you feel welcome and that our discussions may lead to more Christ-glorifying ministry in your own context. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Bridgeway Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We are continuing our series on prayer, and uh, we're going to do kind of a little bit different of an episode today. We're going to do a Q&A where um, I'm just going to ask Sam uh, four or five questions here uh, that were actually submitted by the Bridgeway Youth Group. And uh, we asked them, if you could ask Sam any questions about prayer, what would you ask? That is a Scary, scary right? idea. If I, oh my! Yeah, if you could ask your lead pastor questions of uh, about prayer when you were uh, 15 years old, what would you have asked? And uh, and then to have to answer them in a way that you know will be beneficial. So you've got you've got your hands full today with this, Sam. Uh, I'm going to defer to you. Okay, good, because I definitely have the answers. Yeah, uh, I'll just be praying. <laughs> um, well, let's see. I, I don't know if we should go in order or if we should try to put these in some kind of uh, easy to hard, but uh, I might just go in order if you, unless you want to start with a certain one. What do you think? Uh, I'll let you lead the way. All right, here we go. It's the blind leading the blind. The blind here, leading folks. the blind. Well, then we'll start off with a big one because it might take some time to answer or uh, we'll see. But the question is this. Why do we pray if God already knows what will happen and we can't change it? <laughs> There's, I like, I like the little addition at the end. Why do we pray if God already knows what can happen? And then that's that's kind of one question. But you know, and we can't change His will. I think is the other side of the question. Oh, what do you think, David? <laughs> <laughs> I defer everyone back to episode one of this uh, uh, of this series. Uh, oh wow! <laughs> yep, that is yeah. It's a that, common question. It is, and it's a hard one. Well, um, you know, so many of my answers. Uh, I don't know if this frustrates people or helps them, but they come in the form of biblical texts. Oh, how so dare I, you! <laughs> I have to come back to the Word of God. So let's let's just look. I'm looking here at Matthew six in the Sermon on the Mount, verses seven and eight. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. And then here it is: because your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Hmm. So Jesus is saying it's precisely because God knows. Um, what you are thinking, what you need most, what's going on in your heart and in your life, uh, before you ever articulate it, that's the actual ground or foundation or reason why you should then bring your request to him. Hmm. Now, you and I think the other way around. Right. The question is formed on the assumption, well, if he already knows, there's no need for me to ask. Hmm. Jesus says, no, because he knows, therefore ask. Hmm. Now, he doesn't go on to give us an explanation. <laughs> that would be nice. Uh, Jesus, follow up on that if you <laughs> yeah, would, <right>. please, <laughs> and explain. But I think, you know, somebody, let's, let's put the question in a different form. What do you tell a God who, uh, who knows everything? Hmm. And the answer is anything. Hmm. Instead of nothing. Yeah. In other <laughs> words, um, Lord, yes, you know my needs. You know my fears. You know where I'm, uh, I'm lacking. Um, you already ha- are aware of that. And therefore, I'm not here to inform you. I'm not here to instruct you. 
I mean, stop and think for just a moment. If God didn't know what, yeah, let, let me back up. That's a good place to try to answer this question. Let's, let's work from the opposite assumption. God doesn't know what we need. Mm. He's ignorant. Mm. He is lacking in resources. He's not omniscient. He's not all wise. Mm-hmm. Why in the world would I come to a God like that in the first place? Right. Why would I want to, how, on what basis would I assume that he could do anything for me if he is oblivious to what's going on in my life and he doesn't understand my heartbeat and my, my, my motivation and my deepest needs, why would I ever think mm. it would be helpful or productive to come to a God like that in the first place? Right. So instead of operating on the assumption, it doesn't, it's not necessary to, to ask God if he already knows what you need. Think about, think about the alternative folks. If this God doesn't know, if he's in the dark, maybe it's not just because he lacks knowledge. Maybe it's not, but simply because he's so occupied with other things. You know, we've got, we're in the midst of a crisis. Well, we are always in the midst of a crisis mm-hmm. in the Middle East, but even uh, even more so now in these days. And he's occupied with affairs over there. Uh, what makes me think that he would be present to my request now? If God is that kind of God, if he's that limited, if he's that uh, inhibited uh, and that weak, I, I that to me that would empty prayer of any purpose whatsoever. Why? I mean, let me give you if I can. You know, my little um, six-month-old granddaughter mm-hmm. was with us for Christmas, and uh, I honestly I, I don't go to her asking her um, uh, to give me guidance and wisdom and how I should <laughs> conduct my life. Why? Because she's too young she lacks knowledge right. well if that's the image you have of god um then to me why pray it makes it is a far more reasonable question to ask but knowing that god knows mm-hmm. that he sees and the, and that i'm not coming to him to say all right god uh, let me let me bring you up to speed right <laughs> you know let me inform you and enlighten you as to well, what's going on in my life so that you can then figure out a good way to help me um, no, we need to come to him and say, Lord, I'm, I'm so grateful. Mm-hmm. You already know. You see me better than I see myself. In fact, that's the other point. Um, my needs, mm-hmm. they may not be needs. Right. I may be deluded. Mm-hmm. I may think that I need this from God, but God knows me well enough to say, Sam, not really. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what you really need. Let me tell you what, uh, what is most urgent and, and uh, important in your life right now and how I'm willing to help you enter into the fullness of that experience so again the idea that um, that god doesn't know destroys prayer mm-hmm. if, if if that's the kind of being to whom we come how could i have any confidence that he's got any power so in other words you know it's we say god uh, is not only omniscient but he's omnipotent well if he's not omniscient then he's not omnipotent. He can't do everything. In other words, he can't know in advance and provide everything that I need. So this deficiency in our understanding of God um, is, I think, at the heart of that question, and it's a misguided question. Mm. So, I mean, that's, that's really interesting. I've never really heard that question um, addressed kind of by tackling its underlying misconceptions. Uh, I think that's really interesting. You, you talked about your, your granddaughter. I was thinking about my son mm-hmm. and how... Um, you know, he'll come to me and, and ask for food. You know, he'll do like the sign for food, putting his hand to his mouth. 
and uh, I I have a I have a pantry full of things that he loves to eat, you know, and some are really really good for him, like uh, you know vegetable like pouches and stuff like that, and then he's got some treats and you know the the gambit runs in between, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he might come to me and I know what he's had today, what he needs to eat in order to have a balanced diet for the day, but he comes to me asking for a cracker or something that you know, and, and I, I I was just thinking about how like I have all these resources. But I'm not going to give him to him until he's asking for them. Like he comes to me, he's like, "Oh, you're hungry." Well, I knew I knew you were hungry because you mm-hmm. haven't eaten in t- a couple hours. But you came to me, you asked. But then you were asking for a specific thing. But that's not what you need right now. I'm going to give you this thing that you actually need. There was just this this like really gross parallel, I guess, between the two. You know, father son. I guess sure. kind of makes sense. But that's what I was thinking. Yeah, and uh, you know, th- let's think uh, in terms of answering this question in light of what we read in Psalm 139. Most Christians know that psalm. You know, David says, before there is a word on my tongue, you know it altogether. Yeah. <clears throat> you know my rising up and my sitting down. You know everything about me. I can't escape you. If I go to the depths of Sheol, uh-huh. you're there. And all of that, for David, is the reason to praise God and to magnify him and to say, wow, what what an awesome God you are. I mean, it goes back even to you knitting me together in my mother's womb. And to him, that's not an excuse to remain silent. Mm. It's the reason to explode in praise and in thanksgiving. So again, we're coming back, uh, if people can remember way back to when we did the first episode about why pray, Mm -hmm. we're coming back to the fact that the ultimate reason is because this is the way God has set up and orchestrated providentially the way he relates to us and the way he accomplishes his purposes in the earth because it most honors and glorifies him. Mm-hmm. It shows him to be, I was going to say God smart. <clears throat> God, it shows his immeasurable, unfathomable intelligence and his unimaginable and limitless power and his remarkable affection and, 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 and love and delight that he has in us. All of these things served to magnify who he is and to bring him honor and glory and to stir our hearts uh, to worship and praise. Mm -hmm. So kind of coming full circle back to the question, um, certainly you don't come to God because you say, yeah, um, he's he's just probably, he's got too much on his mind to bother with me. And I I need to say, hey, remember me, Lord? Uh, God said, you mean as if I had actually forgotten you. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think it, Jesus says it. it is because he knows what you need before you ask that he wants you to ask. Mm. He's ready and able. He's, he's not going to have to, <laughs> it's not like when we come to God with a request and he says, you know, give me a couple of days and I'll get back mm. to you. Let me go read a couple of books. Let me, <laughs> let me educate myself in these kinds of scenarios. You know, you, you got a problem I've never encountered before. So, uh, maybe let me consult with a few of the angels, see if they've got any insight. I don't get much confidence from a God right. like that. And or or like, let, let me start. Okay, I, I, hear, I heard your request. Let me get some things going, and it'll take a few days for them to come to fruition. Like, I, I'm often baffled by the fact that you'll pray, and then there will be a, a... And this doesn't always happen, obviously, but there's been times when you'll pray, and then something will happen that you were praying about. But there, there were things in work for weeks before in order to bring that event exactly. to occur. That's because God knew what would happen, 
and worked concurrently with the prayer. And like those are those moments where the seams between what God knows and the fact that we're praying tend to disappear. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I just another way of yeah. saying about so it. So now let's tackle the last part of that right. question. Does it, does it, we can't change anything can't with change. prayer, right? Right. All right. That's the question. Does prayer change things? Mm-hmm. Well, let's define our terms. Now, I know this is a little frustrating to people, and they think, gosh, why do you have to go so deep? And <laughs> Because these are deep questions, yes. so they require deep answers. That's right. We have to define what we mean by things, mm-hmm. and we have to define what we mean by change. change. Um, things. All right. This is where, again, uh, if, if this puts any of you all off because I'm getting theological here, I'm not going to apologize. You need to understand this distinction. Mm-hmm. It's the distinction between God's sovereign, decretive will and God's moral or revealed will. If the things that God has sovereignly ordained to come to pass cannot be changed. Right. Uh, they are going to occur. God says, I'm going to accomplish all my purpose. Nobody can stay my hand. Mm-hmm. Um, Ephesians 1.11, God works all things according to the counsel of his will. Uh, God says, I know the end from the beginning, and I will accomplish all my purposes. The things that God has secretly and sovereignly ordained to come to pass are going to come to pass. But guess what, folks? You don't know what those things are. Right. That's why we call them secret. <laughs> right. They are. They are not. The only way we can know what they are is if God has chosen in scripture to tell us what they are. Mm-hmm. So for example, second coming of Jesus, mm-hmm. final judgment, you all can pray until you're blue in the face and out of breath that Jesus won't come back and that God won't judge <laughs> mankind. Guess what? It's going to happen. It's going to happen anyway. <laughs> you can't change those things. Right Now, there are also the things that God has revealed in scripture that he desires for us to do or not to do. Mm. Uh, we call this the revealed or the moral or the preceptive will of God because it's a form. It comes in the form of precepts or commandments: "Thou shalt, thou shalt not." And those are things which God, oftentimes, as we saw in our first episode, says uh, will or will not happen depending on whether or not you ask me to do them for you. Now. Um, is it the case that God has even sovereignly ordained what we will ask and whether or not he will provide? And the answer is yes, but folks, you don't know that. Mm-hmm. You can't go through life operating on the assumption that what will be will be, therefore I play no role in it and my prayers make no difference. Yes, they do. So let me change the... Uh, Instead of saying, does prayer change things? I would say, yes, prayer implements things. Mm. In other words, prayer is the ordained means by which God has said, I'm going to accomplish my secret sovereign will in the earth and in your life. Mm. So it is the instrumentality by which God wants to accomplish these things. So let me, let me just give a, a couple of examples um, I'm trying to remember back exactly which text. Um, let's take, for example, um, 2 Corinthians 1. It's one of my favorite passages on prayer. If, if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you all to read it sometimes. Sit down with 2 Corinthians 1, verses 8 through 11. Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the, of the, uh, the, 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 ish, the experience I had where I was brought to the very brink of death itself. In other words, it's almost like saying I had one foot in the grave, Mm -hmm. and it seemed as if I had no hope of being 
set free from this. But God, who is merciful, delivered us. And, and then he says, and he will deliver us again if you pray for me. Mm. And then he says this in verse 11, you must help us by prayer so that many thanks will be given to God on our behalf for the blessing granted us by God through the prayers of many. So think about the dynamics there. Paul says, God delivered us from this experience that we, we, we had the sentence of death. We didn't think we were going to survive. God delivered us. Praise be to him. And he will continue to deliver us if you'll pray for us. Therefore, you must pray. You must ask God continually to set us free from these situations that might bring an end to our ministry or our earthly life. And so it, it, it seems as if Paul is saying, it's not as if God has purpose A out here and um, and if you don't pray, he'll have to settle for purpose B. Mm-hmm. It's No, we don't know what purpose A or B is. We don't have insight into God's sovereign secret will. But God has told us that the way in which he wants to bring it to pass in our lives is when you ask him to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and why? Paul says, so that many will give thanks to God on our behalf for the blessing that he has given us through your prayers. Mm-hmm. You don't pray, God doesn't give us the blessing. If God doesn't give us the blessing, we can't give him the thanks. Mm-hmm. So it all circles back around to praising God, magnifying yep. God for his provision and his goodness. Um, you know, I remember, I think it's in, at the end of Romans 15, where Paul says, pray for us that we might make it to Rome mm-hmm. and uh, so that we can impart some blessing. Evidently, Paul believed that the means by which God would facilitate his journey to Rome was in response to the prayers of his people that he'd do that very thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philemon, you know, he, he says, pray that, uh, that I will be able to come to you right. and visit you because he's in prison in Rome at the time. So over and over and over again, we see that prayer is the ordained instrumentality through which God accomplishes his sovereign purposes. Um, it, is, it is the ordained means, and God does not accomplish his ordained ends apart from means. He, you know, people say, well, it's going to happen ir- irrespective. No, it doesn't. It happens through and by means of mm-hmm. the way God answers our prayers. So again, is it a theological mystery in the final analysis? Yes, it is. Yeah. Why God would orchestrate it this way, I think the Second Corinthians one uh, eleven tells us. It's so that, wow, look at what God did for us when you asked him to do it. Let's thank him for it. Let's praise him for mm-hmm. it. Um, so that's the best answer I can give. I wouldn't say prayer changes things. I would say prayer implements um, prayer is the ordained means by which these things that God wants to accomplish are brought to pass. Mm. What a the last two times, this time and the last time we talked, I the, both times I've just been overwhelmed by this, uh, I guess, realization of how prayer does make us like co-laborers with God, like yes. that He invites us into uh, being able to just, and all we're doing is asking. You know, like we get definitely the easiest part of this job. But being like asking so that his perfect will gets implemented. Mm-hmm. It's just that's that's really good news. Like it's yeah, pretty good and to honestly, be a part of. And honestly, it's a challenge for a lot of people who who are Calvinistic in their theology, as I am. Mm-hmm. I believe in God's sovereignty. I believe God's gonna accomplish all his purposes. But I also believe the truth of scripture when he says you don't have because you don't ask. Right. And if I if 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 you know my Calvinist brethren push back against me and say, well, wait a minute. 
if God wants you to have it, you'll have it whether or not you ask. And I say, no, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, I, if I don't ask, I won't get. Um, and how that is, how that is uh, harmonious and, and, and of one unified perspective with the God's absolute and utter sovereignty, I can't explain that. <laughs> right. But I have to take Scripture for what it says. I have to believe that it's true. God says, Sam, yes, I am sovereign. Yes, I work all things according to the counsel of my will. But there's another thing you need to know. If you don't ask me, you won't get. Mm-hmm. All right, okay. I'm going to ask. I'm <laughs> yeah, going to ask. Right. Well, uh, there's another question then that kind of uh, seems to be asking. Um, I don't have, even though I asked, <laughs> is kind of the second question we have here, which is how do I deal with prayers when the answer is no? Sure. I asked and I still don't have. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, that's the whole question of, um, you know, why would God... You know, let, let's, let's broaden the question, not just that God says no, but God says wait, or maybe God says perhaps, but not now, or God says uh, yes, but only if other certain things are first met mm-hmm. or conditions are fulfilled. There's all sorts of little qualifying nuanced things that we have to incorporate into our response to that. Um, one of the reasons why if some of you are listening to this, you're saying, I've been asking God for this for years, and I don't see any indication or sign that he's going to do it, even though I know it's perfectly permissible for me to ask it. It's consistent with what he said in Scripture. It certainly would honor and glorify him if he were to say yes. So why hasn't he? Mm. One reason may be because he wants to deepen and intensify your utter, absolute dependence upon him. Mm. He wants, to, he wants to strip away all of the props on which you're relying, all of the, the self-dependency in your soul. Um, it just makes us aware that we are frail, utterly dependent upon God moment by moment for everything that we have. Um, sometimes uh, you won't get an answer to your prayer uh, because... Um, you're you are not of the proper mind and spirit in which to receive the answer. I mean, there you think about um, the things that you have asked of the Lord, and He didn't do for you at least immediately. Mm-hmm. And you look back with hindsight, and you say, you know, I wasn't in any shape <laughs> to to get the answer to that <laughs> prayer request. Yep. I, I I just I my heart my soul wasn't properly aligned. I was immature. I was selfish. Boy, I'm glad God said no. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Another reason why he says no, I think it gives us an opportunity to differentiate between an impetuous, ill-conceived prayer and a truly humble, God-honoring prayer. Um, There are things that sometimes um, I will ask of the Lord that I can't see that in the long run would ultimately be harmful for me if he said yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, think for a moment of, you know, uh, how old's Ezra? He's uh, 18 months, year right. and a half. All right. And it's not too long from now he's going to be able to talk and right. come to you asking for things. And in his immature heart, still growing, developing mind, he thinks that getting this thing from daddy is absolutely essential to his happiness. <laughs> right. And you know it could be life-threatening to him. Right, yeah. I mean, if we would just stop and think about, oh, my goodness, what would my life have been like if God had actually answered my prayer for this or that. Right. Um, and there are things that we ask of him that are simply 
harmful, but we think that they're good. And therefore, when he doesn't give them to us, we think he doesn't care. He doesn't love us. Mm. God's saying, look, you, you don't see things from the beginning to the end. You don't know how things are going to unfold. I do. And trust me, I, I have to say no, or I have to susp- wait, you know, maybe in about 10 years uh, when circumstances have unfolded in a way that this will prove conducive to your spiritual welfare and my glory. If, if the things that there, I look back at some of the things that I asked God to do, and if he had done them then in the way that I wanted, it would have been a disaster. Yeah. I mean, I think about how, like, being the father of an 18-month-old right now, I feel like I spend more time keeping my son from things he wants than giving him things he wants. Yep. <laughs> because everything around him would hurt him. You know, whenever he's 15, he can use them. Yeah. But, like, I remember I was doing the dishes yesterday, loading up the dishwasher, and in the bottom rack was a big kitchen knife, you know, blade out, sticking there, and he runs in to play with the dishwasher, and I have to push him away and, like, to keep him safe and, like, move him out of the kitchen. And he's crying, and he wants Daddy to be Daddy doesn't the... love me. Right. And he's like, why wouldn't you... <laughs> Because you would slice your hand open, dude. Now, a kitchen knife's not a bad thing, but if I gave it to you right now, it would be. Exactly. Yeah, and so I've just, it's funny. Like, I spend more time saying no to his requests than yes, because yeah. he would hurt himself with so many of the things he's asking for. Here's another exa- illustration of uh, why what, the good, the benefit that comes from God saying no or wait or not yet. And David, you and I experienced this as authors. Um, I have just, for example, fi- uh, finished and I'm mailing it all the edits in today, in fact, for my new book on spiritual gifts. It'll mm-hmm. be out um, in the fall of 2020. And I have had to meticulously read back over all the edits that my editor has made, all of the corrections, mm-hmm. and say, I agree with this, I don't agree with that. Yeah, this needs to be changed. No, let's keep this as is. Uh, why do authors read, reread? Why do we have multiple editors going over every phrase? Uh, every punctuation mark. It's to purify the prose. It's to make mm-hmm. it more readable, more intelligible. Well, think about that in terms of prayer. Mm. When God just kind of seems silent and uh, doesn't seem to act in response to our prayers, what does that force us to do? Well, let me go back. Let me think about what I'm actually asking for. Mm. Let me, Lord, let me rephrase that. Yeah. Let me edit my language here. Let me, let me articulate this in a way that's probably more consistent with what I know about you as God. Uh, let me, let me reexamine my life and, and try to determine maybe I was a little impetuous. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, I thought I needed this, but you've given me time by saying no or wait to reevaluate, and I've come to realize I don't really need that after all, and I'm afraid that I would uh, misuse that uh, in my life to my own harm. So the wait answer, the no answer, um, is oftentimes so that we can purify and refine what it is that we're asking God and, and, tr- and understand a little bit better um, you know, why we thought that we so desperately needed him to do for us, mm-hmm. A, B, C, or D. Yeah. There seems to be like this, and if this is wrong, and I'm sure it's not exactly right, but there seems to be this like um, picture I'm seeing of of like you have this secret hidden will of God that we've talked about, and when we ask requests um, that line up with it, God answers yes, and that's how we talked about him implementing Mm -hmm. um, his will through prayer. Um, But a lot of times we ask questions that are not in line with God's hidden will, and a no comes back. Is that 
is that one way to look at it where it's just like praying in line with what God is doing versus well, not, or is that a bad way to look at it? Well, it's, it, I, I, are you asking, maybe you're not, but that's what come to my mind. Um, should we preface and close our prayers by saying, according to your will? Oh, I'm not, no, not necessarily being formulaic more. I was yeah. more thinking abstractly with just like the hidden will of God and are we praying in line with it or not? And is that sometimes why you get a yes or a no? Yeah, it is. Yeah, the simple answer to that is yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, think about it this way. There's God's infinite wisdom and his goodness and his justice and his holiness that governs what he does or does not do. And then on the other hand, there is my limited insights, my selfish mm-hmm. in- inclinations, my sinful impetuosity, do I really want God to do my will rather than his? <laughs> no. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, 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 have, I have this infinitely wise God who sees all things perfectly, and I, I, I want ultimately for that God to determine what is and is not best for my life at this particular time. Um, that's why I do have to submit my requests with this, with this statement, Lord, your will be done. Lord, mm-hmm. you see this far better than I do. Lord, I, I feel like I desperately need you to step into my life and accomplish this right now, but I may be wrong. Lord, mm-hmm. you know better than I do, and I, and I know Romans eight twenty eight. you're going to orchestrate all things together for my good and your glory, so I'm going to trust that, um, that you will respond to my request in accordance with what you deem to be best for my life and most conducive to your glory. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's really helpful. Um, let's go to the next question. How, how does God hear and understand everybody's prayers at the same time? <laughs> Have you seen yeah. Bruce Almighty? Yes. Okay. That's yeah. the first thing I think yeah. of is like, yeah. he's trying, he's starting to hear all these prayers. He's trying to figure out how to organize them. So it's going to be like post-it notes or file cabinets. And finally he gets to email, but it takes him too long to answer them all. Yeah. So like, yeah, I mean, it, it is a fascinating question. Um, because I mean, let's just, uh, here, here's an example. You know, um, yesterday was Sunday. Uh, we're recording this on a Monday. And so I'm preaching and, um, and let's say that uh, at the end of it, I decide to hold a Q&A. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, all right, shout out your questions. And of the hundreds of people present, 75 of them simultaneously shout out different questions. Right. And I'd say, oh, no, no sorry. I mean, no, you, you, you just, I can't, I can't handle more than one at a time. Right. Well, why? Because I'm finite. Yeah. I'm limited. I cannot, I, I cannot process, I can't multitask a multitude of questions. And yet, I don't know how many Christians there are in the earth, several, a couple of billion, at least someplace two or three billion out of the seven or eight billion on the earth. And it's entirely hypothetically possible that all three billion of them are speaking to God at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that just, our little pea brains just, just short circuit with that. How could God give undivided, total, devoted attention to every single one that is being spoken simultaneously. And that's because he's God. Mm -hmm. I mean, folks, again, um, if you are not praying or you are limited or somehow justifying your prayerlessness because you're saying to yourself, "I, I have to know that 
that God's listening to me and only me right now, and hmm. He's not being, you know, uh, not having to listen to somebody else. That just shows how your deficient grasp of who God is and His infinite knowledge has has crippled your prayer life. That's why I said. I've said before many times, it, every problem in prayer is traceable to a misconception about God. Mm. Um, I cannot even begin to fathom, and therefore I can't even begin to explain in a way that's going to satisfy this question, the person who asked this question, how God has a mind that can hear, process, know in advance, respond in, in, with absolute perfection to the prayers of billions of people simultaneously. <laughs> Um, and that's because I am I am this finite, utterly dependent, limited uh, creature who can only maybe hold two or three thoughts simultaneously in my mind at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Spurgeon used to say that he could uh, he found himself entertaining anywhere from seven to ten thoughts simultaneously <laughs> in his mind. And I thought, I don't think I can. I find myself when I'm preaching thinking one thing and I know I'm saying another right and I'm thinking and I'm saying to myself hey you're you're think you've got several thoughts going on yeah. at the same and that just that's enough yep but billions yeah. of people and here's the thing folks I just I just want to say this is a word of pastoral encouragement you you're not going to be able to understand this and this answer is not going to satisfy your curiosity but you have to know because God has told it to us in his word when you're talking to him and you're pouring your heart out to him, you have his undivided attention. Hmm. Every single one of you has the undivided singular focus of God uh, in his, in this relational communion that he has with you through prayer and how he can do that with all of us at the same time is something I can't even begin to comprehend. Mm -hmm. I, 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 it's one of those where I just have to throw up my hands and say, that's what being God is about. Yeah. That's what being God is all entails. And uh, until you have that big, big God in your mind, and even big is, is a bad word because right. big implies proportion, and God's, then he lacks proportion. He's infinite. Yeah. Um, so again, it, it's a good question. I understand where it comes <laughs> from, and it comes from our the fact that we can't, we can't carry on more than two or three conversations simultaneously mm-hmm. and make any sense of it. How can God do it with billions of people? That's because he's God and we're not. Yeah. I don't know how else to say it. Well, then that, that kind of leads into our last question here. Uh, why does this big, infinite, huge God often have his side of the dialogue in prayer in such small, tiny, still small voice kinds of ways? The, 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 the question was worded like this. Why does God not make his voice more audible when he answers our prayers? I mean, he's big. He's huge. Why not? He could do it. Yeah. Wow. I don't know that I've ever heard that question. I'm going to have to think about that. Um, well, first of all, I, I personally have never heard the audible voice of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to hear the audible voice of God. Um, there are not that many instances, even in the Bible, where the audible voice of God is right. is described. Um, it happened, you know, I don't, I don't, I've never counted them up. Um, my guess is it probably a couple of dozen times in mm-hmm. the old Testament, you know, there's the incident in John's gospel. I'm trying to remember, is it chapter 12 where he spoke audibly and the people said, some said it thundered, you know, right. they, it sounded like thunder to them. Um, 
evidently John the Baptist heard the audible voice of the Father when he said, "This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well mm-hmm. pleased." Uh, when he was being bap- when Jesus was being baptized. So let's first of all understand hearing the audible response of God to a question or a prayer request is not a common normative thing, even in biblical times. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem to, to be the primary way in which he responds to us. Um, I think, I think the primary way God responds isn't by, um, a voice, but rather by his providential orchestration of events. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I can see how God has intervened directly in some situation, some scenario that is a that is an answer to a request I made of him, I can say, wow, you! I just heard you, God. I just mm. saw you. I just witnessed and the evidence of your response to my request. That speaks loudly even if your ears don't hear a thing mm-hmm. because you can see in the way God providentially moves people and events and and, and circumstances that he's answering a request. Um, but I think probably there's another answer to this. If God always answered loudly, mm. would we become unduly dependent upon that kind of supernatural phenomenon? Mm-hmm. In other words, would we, would we um, expect it always and then begin to doubt God's goodness if we don't hear it? Um, I think sometimes God's ways are silent and sometimes secretive and sometimes indiscernible precisely because if he did it otherwise, we might become, as I said, unduly dependent upon the sensational. Mm. Uh, And God, I think, um, chooses rather to work quietly through circumstance, through providential uh, changes in, in our life. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like, um, it's, it's kind of like the question of why don't we see miracles every single day, multiple Mm -hmm. times in a day? Mm -hmm. Well, think about how that would, uh, the kind of expectations that would create in your heart that you would then say, all right, then God has to do it that way all the time. And if he doesn't, he must not love me. Mm. Um, we are so prone to, to be drawn to and to become dependent upon the sensational, the overtly supernatural, that the quiet ways of God's providential dealings are minimized. So um, I don't think it would be healthy. Honestly, mm-hmm. I, said, I, don't, I don't know how else to put it. I don't think it would be spiritually healthy if God always responded to every prayer request in a loud voice. Um, I just don't think that that would work well in, in us. Um, I think sometimes it would uh, short circuit the process of sanctification in our mm-hmm. lives and mm-hmm. our and our ever increasing dependency upon Him mm-hmm. moment by moment. So I don't know if that answers the question outright, but yeah, no, I think you offered a lot of really helpful uh, observations there um, that definitely I think provide some good starting points for whoever's wrestling with this question, and I think it's good. So, well, there we go, Q and A, and that also wraps up our series on prayer. So that was great. This has been great. It sure has. Yeah. Well, um, man, thank you everyone for listening. We, we hope uh, these, these last five episodes have been really helpful for you and your, your, um, your prayer life and, um, and uh, hopefully personally, corporately, uh, with your family and uh, just with your, hopefully mainly your view of God that uh, Sam has said on multiple occasions that um, every problem with prayer goes back to a problem with how we're viewing God. And so hopefully you view God as, 
as even though it's not a good enough word, big, and just waiting to show mercy. I've just been so encouraged by that. So thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Bridgeway Podcast, where you will find a new conversation every Thursday. For more information about Bridgeway Church, we invite you to visit bridgewaychurch.com, or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BridgewayOKC, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash bridgewaychurchOKC. If you have any questions that you would like us to address on the podcast, feel free to email us at podcast at bridgewaychurch.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving us a review on the podcast app as it helps other people like you find our program. So on behalf of all the pastors and staff here at Bridgeway Church, I'm David Bowden saying thanks for listening and we will see you next week.